0: Lyrics all the Lost.
1: Welcome back for episode 26 with your hosts, me, Peter, and
0: your special guest host from Upper New South Wales is what? <laughs> yes, it's Dave.
1: Dave. There we go. Thanks, James. Special introduction. James Earl Jones, just for you, Dave. Promises
2: made, promises kept. That was definitely the real James Earl Jones too, wasn't it? (sighs) Yes, yes. (laughs) He is 92
1: now and uh, he he does actually communicate via a soundboard of his own uh, voice. His voice is pretty clapped out now. Yeah, so it's, it's very authentic. Oh,
2: well. Thank you, Computer Recreation of James Earl Jones, for taking the time to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, moving on. Today's episode is another special listener request. A Brendan has reached out to us via Facebook wanting to discuss this. I want to know what love is. I want to know what love is. By Foreigner, 1984. Written by Mick Jones and Lou Graham. Mm -hmm. Lou Graham's full name is uh, Luis Grammatico. So uh, the band Called Foreigner has a lead singer who's hiding his foreign surname. Ah. Hmm.
2: Unless it's just a regular nickname, you know, contraction. And is is Mick Jones Michael Jonesovich? <laughs> Possibly. Could easily be. Possibly. Yes. Ah.
1: And Mick might even be short for Michael. Who knows?
2: Usually is, Yes.
1: Apparently Lou could even be short for Lewis. So, yeah. There you go. Strange games these people are playing. I don't trust them at all already. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, our listener Brendan wants to know what I want to know what love is, is, is about. And um, I think he'd like us to dedicate our uh, snarky dissection of this song today to a special lady in his life. Hi, Ursula. Wishing you the... uh, bestest of best wishes and the warmest of smooth fm feelings from everyone here on the lyrics of the lost production team in this beautiful special and precious springtime of love
2: yeah oh nice sounds a bit like you're auditioning for an actual announcer job on smooth fm using this as a career stepping stone do the richard mercer type stuff
1: Mm mm-hmm and we've invited uh, Brendan uh, to record his thoughts on this song uh, via our page at speakpipe.com lyrics.
3: First, I'd like to take the opportunity to acknowledge the podcast that has so unflinchingly and courageously challenged the long-held misconceptions of popular smooth radio music and revealed perhaps for the first time that such popular music is not as perhaps commonly assumed to be about love, fun, companionship, romance, dancing and such trivialities but about far more serious and disturbing matters such as sexual predators, kidnapping, egotism and narcissism, multidimensional theory and alternate realities, alien abduction and even demonic possession.
1: Wow, he really understands uh, what we're about. He really understands how to construct a long sentence. <laughs> he's, uh, he's very verbose, yes.
2: But in a, in a good way. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, in a good way. And, you know, it's very nice to hear, but at the same time, that is an intimidating reminder of the high bar we've set for ourselves and uh, the huge importance of the work
2: uh, we've undertaken here. Stretch goals, Peter. He's inspiring us towards our stretch goals. Stretch goals? Yes. What are stretch goals? Stretch goals are what we should all be inspiring for in our business. Goals that you have to stretch to achieve, not the easily ab- yep. attainable. Don't don't just take the low hanging fruit. Stretch goals. Oh wow, that's how you'll evolve into a giraffe. Yeah. Well, I'm. I'll, I'll be putting them um, as part of my annual performance summary. Oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, hang on, he's still going.
3: I applaud their courageous and uncompromising approach and the robust journalistic rigour with which they approach their deconstruction of these seemingly inane but deeply complex and at times troubling compositions. It's truly an honour and a privilege to be invited to make a small contribution to this genre-busting, hard-hitting podcast series.
2: Well, thank you, Brenda, but don't feel too honoured because we've invited everybody in the world uh, via Speakpipe to contribute.
1: Well, Yes, but, you know, we did invite him personally after discussing on Facebook. That's true. Yes, that that is true. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Brendan. It really gets me right here. It it really does. Um, You can't see, of course, but I'm motioning towards my penis. Um, Really, (laughs) really satisfying. Uh, But what does Brendan think, I want to know what love is, is?
3: I gather that many smooth radio listeners have assumed that the singer's impassioned plea to know what love is, is some sort of romantic query, seeking to understand romantic love and wanting his newfound partner to show him what love is and what love means after experiencing some unfortunate romantic disappointments in the past. While many listeners may be satisfied with such a puerile and surface interpretation of the song, it is the commitment of lyrics of the lost to look beyond such paltry analysis and go much deeper into the real meaning of the songwriter's experience.
1: Yes, uh, Brendan mentions a newfound partner there, and uh, I did wonder what relationship has been established in the song. Uh, is there any relationship already, or is Lou Graham actually singing to a girl he's only just seen in a nightclub, like it, like it's his pickup line to ask? I want to know what love is, and I want you to show
2: me. So, certainly, a bold opening. It, it is a bold opening. Yes, you're right. It could be a heartfelt plea from a lonely, sad man who's suffered enough in his life Mm. and uh, he wants to experience love. Yeah. But I'm also quite suspicious that this could just be a ploy for sympathy. Mm. Mm -hmm. Get someone to go to bed with him as a kind of pity shag. Oh, I've had such a sad, lonely life. (laughs) My parents neglected me. I've experienced so much pain in my life. I've never known the love of the woman.
0: I want you to show me.
2: Can you show me? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Can you show me what love feels like? <laughs> I'm sure that works. Yeah, yeah. Can you start by showing me your tits? I think oh. That, if you really love me you would. Oh, yes. There's, you just yeah. reduce the tone.
3: I'm sorry. Never mind. I'm sorry. Uh but what's Brennan thinking here? Clearly, this is a song actually about a monk puzzling the mysteries of the universe, including the meaning of love and asking, nay, begging his master to show him the truth from his master's long and rigorous study and learning the meaning of life and love and universal truths.
1: Well, I didn't see that coming. Um, Maybe that's an early draft plot of the movie The Name of the Rose uh, with, with Christian Slater as the novice monk and his master played by Sean Connery. Um, yeah, Christian's Monk does find love in the movie, but it's it's in a side plot involving a peasant girl, as I recall.
2: That's exactly right. That's In fact, that's exactly where where my mind went. Yeah. Yes, Christian Slater did seem quite keen to find out what love means. Hmm. And, yes, this peasant girl was very keen to show him what love feels like. Yeah, which is very nice of it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it, in return for food. Oh, that's <laughs> right, yes. It was a bit yes. transactional, yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Brendan continues. Now
2: this mountain I must climb.
3: The monk refers to this mountain I must climb and states that Through the
0: clouds I see love
3: shine. Through the clouds I see love shine. Clearly referring to the monastery where he will spend many years meditating, reflecting on life's complex mysteries and trying to discover the meaning and truth and reality of love. Feels like He says, It feels like a world upon my shoulders, clearly a reference to the great weight of mystical studies and metaphysical considerations. The monk comments that he can't stop now, now. he's travelled so far to change this. to change this lonely life, again referring both to the long journey to the mountaintop monastery where he has pledged his life to study but also clearly to the spiritual journey he hopes to take amongst the monastic community to study the meaning of life and universal love. Clearly his references to the meaning of love are to concepts of self-love, love of others, and love of the all-encompassing universe or universes. I believe his reference in verse 1 reading between the lines,
0: in case I need it when I'm older,
3: in case he needs it when he's older, is about the ancient mystical texts that he no doubt has been referred to study closely as part of his spiritual journey, and to the lifelong quest for knowledge that he is committed to, knowing that the knowledge that he gleans from these ancient texts and reading between the lines will serve him well in his spiritual ascension to enlightenment.
1: Wow, that that does all fit pretty nicely, uh, you can't
2: deny. Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
3: I am a little bit concerned about the relationship between the young monk and his wise and knowledgeable master and other monks in his monk community that perhaps the monk is looking for something more in his interactions with the master and other monks than the confines of a singular, chaste, monastic life can provide. The monk's pleading in the chorus, I want to know what love is, I want you to show me. I want to feel- I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. I know you can show me. I worry that the monk is lost and perhaps desperate for enlightenment and clarity on his spiritual journey and has perhaps mistaken the pure universal love of self and universe and is perhaps seeking to pursue a more base and physical kind of love with his wiser master. I understand such pursuits were not uncommon in the chaste living arrangements of medieval monks, living forsworn from physical and sexual activity as they usually were. But I suspect that the singer here has misunderstood the kindly dedications and attentions of his master and is seeking a more base physical tryst with his master or fellow monks, from which, of course, the master is sworn to resist. As so aptly put by that well-known and renowned spiritual leader, Wong, of Doctor Strange fame, attachment to the physical is detachment from the spiritual.
1: I had to look that guy up. It's a part of the Marvel uh, universe. And uh, yeah,
3: and perhaps also to the Jedi dedications who were allowed no attachments.
2: Yes. Well, we, we saw where that, uh, where that ended up. With all the Jedis. Well, with Anakin turning into James L. Jones.
1: Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Effectively, yeah. James is back in it again. It's a good thing he's yeah. taking part in this uh, episode already. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess um, Anakin was uh, got mixed up in love, and that distracted him from yeah the uh, the truer path, and
2: led to all the the nastiness really. Um, well, that's right. It allowed him to be manipulated by the Emperor, hmm. and um, once Obi Wan had cut all his limbs off, he effectively became James Earl Jones. Yeah. As you do.
1: Mm. But to be fair, he was also, you know, a pretty snotty teenager before he was even in love. He was, uh, yeah, he just seemed like a bit of a jerk.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I never quite got why I had May fancied him, to be honest. No, no. He was very immature. Well, he was like 10 years younger than her, I think. Yeah.
1: It's, it's very weird of her to, you know, be 20 or around the age of 20 or so and then meet a 10-year-old and then later... Yeah for it's yeah
2: it's not not healthy yeah i mean i think she was meant to be a teenager that in that first one when he was like nine or ten but okay he wasn't a very convincing teenager yeah
1: whereas the yeah
2: the young anakin was played
1: by yeah an actual tiny little kid
2: yeah 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 um but just with the whole monks getting it on with each other, that also, mm. I think, brings us back to The Name of the Rose because mm. I'm not sure how clear it was in the movie, but certainly in, certainly in the book all oh, right, there was implication that some of the monks were showing each other what what love is. Oh, that's the book by Umberto Eco, wasn't it? Yes, yes. I
1: think I tried to read one of his books and, and it was just too dense. I, could, I couldn't get into it. Yeah. I think it was Foucault's Pendulum or something and it was really...
2: It was really dense. Yeah. Mm. I enjoyed the movie, though. The movie was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great movie. French director. Very good. Yeah. With Sean Connery as the detective monk. Yes. Sherlock Holmes monk. Um, yeah. And F. Murray
1: Abraham and, um, ooh, that guy who played Hellboy as a hunchback. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. All sorts of great stuff. Yeah.
2: And a se- apart from sexy the, peasant girl, too. Mm. Yes. Apart from all the shagging, um, as far as I remember, the monks didn't really display that much of an understanding of what love is mm. because there seemed to be quite a lot of torturing of suspects and burning people at the stake yeah. as well. That whole Which doesn't sound very loving.
1: Yeah, that whole Spanish Inquisition thing is, was very short on love. Mm. Yeah. Unless, yeah. you know, not not to kink shame them, but um, if that's how they display their love, but uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, perhaps they just needed a safe word. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, consent should have been a bigger part of... Uh, yeah, exactly. Of the
1: Spanish Inquisition, I think we can all agree. Um, yeah. Now uh, Brennan's still continuing here. Um, oh no, he's not. I was going to just comment. Also, yes. Um, yeah, there's a disturbing amount of pressure from the young monk, if uh, if that's how this goes. Uh, but it does raise a good point. Uh, can you really know what love is without having tried
2: it in both the spiritual and physical sense? I believe you can know in an academic sense what love is. But can you really? Can you? I mean, in
1: an academic sense, but is that is that the fullness of knowing?
2: If you really want to, I can break it down into the uh, actual chemicals. Really? They've done that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Oh, okay. So there's, yeah. there's, there's what?
2: Serotonin is involved or what? Serotonin is involved, <laughs> yes. So um, I... This was a, a blog on the Harvard University website based on some research by, science, I guess, scientists at Harvard. Wow. And they've broken love into three components. There's lust, the sexy stuff. Oh, sure. Attraction, mm. which I guess is- Still kind of sexy. Going between. It's kind of sexy, but also emotional. And then there's attachment, which is the kind of long-term emotional thing. All right. But yes, the lust is like testosterone and estrogen. So that's um, mm. you know the part of love that comes from your sexy parts. Mm-hmm. Um, attraction is dopamine, norepinephrine oh, and yeah. serotonin. Um, what do they do? Hang on. i got to read my notes here. Just make you happy. Uh, yep. They they control functions that include emotion. And then attachment is oxytocin and vasopressin, which is also to do with emotion as well.
0: Mm.
1: And hopefully all of yeah. this is now available in a, uh, a retail available over-the-counter pill that you can take and just fill off. It would probably
2: allow you to make a love potion. Why not? Hmm.
1: They they must be able to do that,
2: surely. Sure.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah, uh, knowing what love is, I mean, there's knowledge uh, and there's also carnal knowledge, but it's all knowledge, isn't it? It's all knowledge. There you go. Um, Yeah. Brennan continues.
3: Several times the singer refers to... And you know you just can't hide. Perhaps the master, overwhelmed by the monk's amorous approaches and suggestions, has taken to hiding in the lesser-known corners of the temple. And perhaps the monk has finally found the master's hiding place and that he has got nowhere left to hide.
0: It looks like love has finally
3: found me. And that love has finally found me. I'm a little worried about the master and his safety as clearly the monk's amorous feelings have built up and are quite overwhelming, claiming as he does. I'm feeling so much love. I'm feeling so much love. Ooh. I'm recommending a cold shower.
2: So is that last verse then sung from the point of view of the master who's got nowhere left to hide? Or, or do you think maybe the master has mm. gotten a bit interested and then he's pursuing the young monk?
1: Yeah, it would um, switch the point of view uh, of the song, mm. but which is which is fine. It's not impossible. Um, yeah, there's no rules here. Yeah, but um, I've now got this homoerotic version of the name of the rose uh, playing in my head, and that that has sparked another phrase: stem in the rose. Do you know where that comes from?
2: I no. <laughs>
1: It's a, it's a <laughs> phrase from uh, Brokeback Mountain, Randy Quaid. Ah, oh, okay. He's the guy who hires the the boys to go up and look after the cattle. Uh. And he sees them cavorting at one point when he goes up to check on them and later says, well, you know, when I hired you guys, I didn't think you'd be up there stemming the rose. But, um, yeah, I'm thinking now that- um, Still not entirely sure what that means. No, I'm not. <laughs> but uh, I, I, yeah, nothing unsexy. I don't think it. It is it,
2: definitely a sexy meaning to it. Well, yeah, but you wouldn't be putting a stem into the rose because, <laughs> like, a rose has a stem. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it wouldn't be just like taking the thorns off the stem of is the stem the penis? I don't, I don't know. Well, that's that... why has it got thorns on it? And yeah, wow. Well, taking the leaves off and the thorns. that Would
2: that be stemming? Who knows? I thought that like stripping, stripping the thorns off. I don't know. You'd have to ask a florist. Yeah.
1: But it also reminds me, we do have to get a lot more young women involved in stem. Um, that everyone—that everyone's behind that.
2: Um, but perhaps not stemming. Maybe, maybe, maybe not stemming. Um, depends. Yeah. Depends what it means. We, we see, yeah. We've yet to find out. I suggest you go and ask your local florist. They spend much time out the back stemming their rosy. <laughs>
1: And See what reaction we get, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Take notes. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I was thinking, um, yeah, Brokeback Mountain, that could be uh, a story that has been directly inspired by this song because you've got two cowboys who don't know what love is because they've only been with girls before and have repressed their real feelings for the other cowboys until this mountain I must climb, so they go up the mountain together and it feels like a world upon my shoulders, yes, because of the, the guilt, the shame, and lack of trust in trying to find and connect with another, cow- another gay cowboy. Got to read between the lines, indeed. They can only afford mm. to give each other hidden signals because if you get it wrong and you come on to the wrong cowboy, you'll be beaten or even beaten to death if you don't uh, beat him off. Or perhaps if you do. Yeah, well, indeed. Um, and, and through the clouds, I feel love shine. Yes, because uh, once they're up the mountain, they're above the cloud layer and alone with just the cattle, and they're free to be themselves and discover what true love is. Their, their man love for their fellow man. Their love of mm. man flesh.
2: Yes. it's a little bit cannibalistic, but sure.
1: But of course, uh, I took a uh, fresh look at this song uh, before I I listened to Brendan's theory, just to keep an open mind. Uh, And my first thought was that Mm. I want to know what love is from Mick and Lou is basically them claiming to be dumber than Forrest Gump. (laughs) Forrest Gump was not a smart man. I'm not a smart
0: man.
2: But he knew what love is.
0: But I know what love is.
2: Yeah, yeah. Should I admit at this point that I've never seen Forrest Gump, and I never want to? Oh my god, it's a
1: classic. I, 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 th- mm. I think you've um you've prejudged it, uh, and I, yeah. I can see
2: why you might have prejudged it, but um, I'm just not a big Tom Tom Hanks guy. That's
1: impossible. Everybody loves Tom Hanks. He's he's a-
2: look. He seems like a nice guy. I've heard him interviewed, and I, you know, I. I like him. I just don't really want to watch movies with him in. Oh, my God.
1: I'm not even sure why. That is un-American. I know. But, yeah, that that movie, just that scene, has, has just made a total mockery of this song. But the thing is, I suspect Mick and Lou are being disingenuous with this song. These are rock stars, even, you know, Smooth FM rock stars at least, but um, rock stars means sex and drugs. And a lot of young women they come across would rightly be wary of people like this and their womanizing ways. So what better plan than to write a ballad like this showing how the foreigner boys, Mick and Lou, are actually really innocent, sensitive, and inexperienced just so they can lull the young ladies into a false sense of security and then take their flower, their uh, blooming rose, as as Seal would have said.
2: Mm. Oh, yeah. Let's not go back there.
1: But then when other bands see them in the street, like, uh, say, Kiss, Kiss would point at them from the other side of the street and yell, Ha-ha, sissy little virgins. And Foreigner would yell back, No way, Kiss. We've done loads of chicks. We, we just wrote this song from the point of view of a young, inexperienced boy who's fictional um, using poetic license. It's not us. And then, and then Kiss would have to say, All oh, right, well, that's okay. Cool. So you see, Foreigner can play it both ways here. It's, very, it's, very, it's genius.
2: Well, it's interesting that I think before this song, they were very much like a rock band. And from what I could read... Lou Graham was not comfortable with the direction that this sissy type of song was taking them, so i I wonder whether oh. Mick and Lou really agreed on whether this was a good way to to get the chicks
1: well, I mean, yeah regardless of um how they differed musically, they could at least you know come together on on the idea of getting chicks yeah sure and if this if this can get them chicks, i think uh that that really brings people together. Yeah, sure. Mates, wingmen.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, if you, I don't know if you looked at the video for this song. Oh yeah, yeah. They seem to be using an entire choir as their lose wingman. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's one way of uh, looking at it. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you had there's like three three simultaneous plots in the video. So there's hmm. some black Americans going about their kind of menial day jobs, ironing or carrying pieces of metal. Hmm along the tops of walls for some reason. Of course. And they all get on a bus and get handed a lyric sheet with the word foreigner on the top. Yeah, yeah. Then there's this young woman who we see get out of bed and have a shower because it's an 80s music video and that's what women in 80s music videos do. In slow motion, of course. Yeah, then she's on the phone and I think she must be on the phone to Lou and they're, I guess, in the kind of large rock star house. Mm. Looks like they're having an argument and then she's out walking in the street with bouncy Mary Tyler Moore hair. (laughs) And then there's the bit with the band in the studio or for some reason being driven around looking like 40-year-old rock stars mm. that they were at that stage. And then, yes, all the poor black Americans from the bus come into the studio and meet the rich white rock stars and they all start singing together, which is lovely. Yeah, and shaking hands a lot and hugging. Yeah, yeah, and, and hugging. And that's and that's nice. Then the, the young woman arrives mm. and she's looking down on them from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like she's not happy with Lou and then she sees that he's singing with all the, um, all the poor black people and she thinks he must be not so bad after all. And then he does a kind of high-pitched scream and then she comes down and kisses him.
1: Yeah. Well, ah, uh, kisses him? No. Doesn't, uh, doesn't she kiss look, him? Oh. Looking at that closely, she runs into his arms oh. and he, it seems like he goes in for the kiss right? and then there's an awkward cut and then she's just hugging him. Oh, uh, it's like she's she's immediately put him in the friend zone. Wow. Okay. Or maybe they shot the kiss but edited it out because it looked really unconvincing, uh, almost like they don't know know what love is and can't act it.
2: Maybe it was just too hot. Maybe they know too much about love.
1: <laughs> oh no, I, I like to think it's um it's a perfect summation of uh, of not knowing what love is. And uh, <laughs> I guess yeah. yeah. It's a pretty boring uh, music video. It, it, the, the, yeah. the beginning just seemed like um, stock footage clips, which
2: <laughs> were just slowed right down. Yeah, people yeah. going about their Bo- day. Boring and just a little bit racist. Well, tokenistic, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, token. Okay, sure. Yeah.
1: Well, I tend to think uh, they're being disingenuous uh, with this song. Uh, it is possible that foreigner used to know what love is, but have now forgotten as they've aged, or perhaps they've been so disillusioned by the bad romantic experiences they've had that they suspect they have never really known, never experienced real love. In my life. And Lou does sing about a life of heartache and, pain, There's been
0: heartache and
1: pain. Suggesting he has loved and lost already, but then maybe he's just remembering a, a puppy he had that died. Uh, and it could be that Lou has had a long line of pets that have died early. He might just keep choosing fragile pets like tropical fish or small nervous birds. And each time he doesn't know if he can face, fa- it, again. face it again to get a new one and hope it doesn't again leave him bereft too soon. Plus the vet bills nowadays are so
2: extortionate. Yeah. That's like financial heartache and pain right there too. That's true. Look, I think we've all we've all been there yeah, and can sympathize with him. But So he says in his life, there's been heartache and pain, but mm. it's not clear that he's the one experiencing oh. the heartache and pain. Whether well, it was his. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, or point. Or has he been inflicting heartache and pain on others? Is he the victim or the perpetrator? <laughs> yeah. He's not uh, identifying. Yeah. I mean, he says he doesn't know if he can face it again, but he maybe he doesn't know if he can face what he's been doing to other people again. Maybe Mm. he's been a cruel and abusive man uh, destroying lives wherever he goes, or maybe there's a string of ex-partners to whom he's behaved badly. And they all have that scene where they're
1: yelling at him down the phone line, like in the video.
2: Exactly. We don't know what happened before then. Maybe he's got a whole load of children with Mm. different women that he never bothers to see or support with his rock star millions, you know? Mm. Um, And he's emotionally unavailable to them. So- Sure I I I just don't know whether we should feel sympathetic to him as an innocent victim mm. or is he as you say being disingenuous and manipulating us with his clever wordplay
1: Yeah no it, it it is hard to hard to feel Yeah we just have to park our emotions to one side and just uh just accept it for the pleasant tune and uh sure enjoy what we can without rushing to judgment I guess
0: Yeah
2: yeah
1: I was thinking if it is a lot of human love that has gone wrong for Lou and Mick and left them disillusioned and no longer knowing what love is, they're not the only ones. Another smooth FM hit by the Eurodance singer Hadaway is called oh, Yes, What is Love? To which his only answer is, baby, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, no more. It's like his, uh, his girlfriend was beating him with a stick for even asking the question. Perhaps his girlfriend was Tina Turner. And she was swinging the stick and yelling, "What's love got to do got to do with it?" When I just ask you to empty the dishwasher. Now get off the couch before I take a swing at your nut bush.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess she exceeded her city limits. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the group Roxette sang, "It must have been love, but it's over now." Which uh, it doesn't sound like they were terribly sure what love is either.
2: Well, no, they didn't seem to understand it at the time. No. It's something they could only experience in retrospect.
1: Well, what was that? It's like something hit them like a bus. What? I don't know. what yeah. the, It must have been love, I guess. But
2: Yeah. Oh, well, it's over now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Better look out for that in future. <laughs> yeah. Percy Sledge and later Michael Bolton both know that there's a series of things that happen when a man loves a woman. And uh, they can list a bunch of them too, but um, that doesn't seem like they actually know what love is. They just know symptoms and behavioral indicators suggesting when love may also be present. And yes, I feel like you, Dave, would appreciate uh, their scientific approach there to observing a phenomena and its impacts on the journey, you know, to discovering what this thing called love
2: actually is. Yes, I, I, do, I do appreciate the detached. Mm. An emotional approach.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And similarly, the Bee Gees, uh, they took the next scientific step in measuring the phenomena, asking everyone, how deep is your love? And they would um, duly note each response. They're accumulating data. I think that's good.
2: Yeah, yeah, but they they only really measure one one dimension. They're not asking how wide or how high. Yeah, they've started
1: small. That's probably why they haven't um, published any findings yet. They're taking well, that's right. a very long way road around uh, all of these measurements. Yeah.
2: What is the angular velocity of your love? Sure. Yeah. I th- that's very catchy. What's the mass? Yes. It, well, exactly. Yes. What is the temperature of your love in Kelvin? Oh, gosh. Yeah. What is it? If you put it in a, bit, a bell jar and
1: you pump all the air out. Uh, What does it sound like? Can it make a noise? No, it can't make a noise. I think we know that already. Yes. Look at me. Look at me demonstrating all my science for you.
2: Telling you how to suck eggs. (laughs) In space, no one can hear love make a noise. No.
1: The band Whitesnake, uh, they reject the observational method, uh, keeping their eyes firmly shut while rubbing up against things and asking, is this love that I'm feeling? And uh, Bon Jovi, Not helping matters with uh, you give love a bad name, uh, clearly distracted over the correct nomenclature uh, for love without advancing the research at all there.
2: That's right. And if that name is stemming the rose, then it is quite a bad name. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. Well, once we find out what it means, we'll know.
2: (laughs) Yes. Maybe it's a good name. Who knows? Mm.
1: And finally, uh, Van Halen were just annoying everybody by
2: uh, picking up random things and asking, well, why can't this be love? Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think they also later ask how will I know if this is love on a different song. Oh, yeah. A less successful song.
1: There are, it must be said, more than a couple
2: of songs with the word love in the title and questions about it. That is true, yeah. Not a lot of songs that actually tell us what love is, though. No, they all raise more questions than they answer. Yeah, yeah, because I, I looked into, into this aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. So we've touched on this in in previous episodes. There's a lot of songs that say what love is like, and we know the whole thing with Mm. um, uh, Seal explaining that not only is love like a drug, but Hmm. drugs can also be like love.
1: (laughs) Yes. That was a great extra dimension, that. Yes, yes.
2: The reverse is also true. Exactly, yes. And Huey Lewis and Roxy Music have both pointed out the same thing. Mm. But as I say, very few songs that actually tell us what love is. Hmm. Although there there are no less than three songs from 1985, all called The Power of Love. Oh, yeah. Which help us. There was more than the Huey Lewis one? There was. So, well, Huey Lewis gives us his wisdom. He describes The Power of Love as um, it's strong and it's sudden and it's cruel sometimes, Mm. but it might just save your life. Mm. So That sounds a little bit scary.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, So Jennifer Rush, who had another song with the same name. Okay. She also says that she is frightened but ready to learn about the power of love.
1: Oh, good for her.
2: Yeah. That, that, that song also has quite an icky bit where she talks about being his lady and whenever he reaches for her, she'll do all that he can. That, that's a bit gross, isn't it? Ah,
1: rings a bell. Yeah. Turns my
2: stomach. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got Frankie Goes to Hollywood, who are feeling a bit more positive about the power of love, uh-huh. which is a force from above, which conveniently rhymes with love. <laughs> Cleaning my-
1: <laughs> And if it's positive, it <laughs> yes. must be protons.
2: Yes. not uh, not electrons or yes. or neutrons and it, cle- it cleans his soul wow also it's a light that scares the darkness away so a bit a bit like the force maybe mm. well he says it's the force um it's also apparently an energy rushing in rushing inside of him
1: mm. the the bit before about cleaning the soul uh, made it sound like it's uh, quite a um a caustic uh, cleaning product but yes
2: yes it's Jiff. Jiffing his soul. jiffing the ruse. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, I can go on. Um, (laughs) And you will. And I will. Uh, Eurythmic have a song that tells us that love is a stranger in an open car. I don't think that's very helpful. Mm. But they're also not feeling too good about it because they say it's savage and it's cruel. (laughs) It distorts and deranges and it wrenches you up and you're left like a zombie.
1: blimey. I like that love is a stranger in a, in a car. That's why they tell uh, small children love is a stranger in a van and offering you um, <laughs> puppies. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, don't go with them.
2: Yeah, don't, don't talk to strangers because they might be love.
1: Heartache and pain.
2: Yeah. I found one song that has a comprehensive explanation of what love is. Aha. Uh-huh. And it's a song I'd never heard before. Do you remember the band King Missile? No, no, I've never heard that They before. had one hit called, they had a song called Detachable Penis. Oh. I'm, you've, def, you've definitely heard it before. You may not remember. Yeah. But this spends like probably more time telling us what love is not hmm. than what it is. Uh, so it's love is beautiful like birds that sing. Love is not ugly like rats in a puddle of vomit. So <laughs> helpful.
1: Yeah, yeah. Stark opposites. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Love is beautiful like the sunshine and the dancing wind. Love is not ugly like pus and lice and tobacco snot. So that's, that's, a, that's a sample of the lyrics. And love is not invisible brain control.
1: Well, I think we've established many times previously that it plays a strong part.
2: Well, yes, they do later on say that it can be that. So, yes. Okay. Well, that's never going to make it to Smooth FM. Uh, no, I've listened to it and it definitely isn't a Smooth FM song. Yes. Let's never yeah. speak of it again. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just going back to the very first verse, mm. I've got to take a little time, a little time to think things over. I better read between
0: the lines.
1: I better read between the lines in case I need it when I'm older. And and I was thinking this verse could be aimed directly at you and me, Dave. And anyone else who would dare interpret these lyrics. It's like a warning. It's like saying, Don't rush this, you'll get it all wrong. You'll miss the real meanings between the lines here, and ah. and when you're older, you know you'll need this when you're older because you'll have a podcast as everyone will eventually, and you'll need the true
2: hidden meanings, uh, or you'll look like idiots talking bollocks. Ah, so directly talking to the fourteen-year-old us—that's us, right, from nineteen eighty-four. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like the quatrains of Nostradamus here. They, you know.
2: They're ahead of their time. Yeah. They're
1: ahead of our time.
2: Well, interesting. Could be. Yes, I had a slightly different take on that Mm -hmm. first verse. Um, I tried to think of things that Lou or Mick might need to understand when they got older. Mm. And my first thought was they would like to understand how superannuation works a bit better. Right. uh, To try and maximise the return on their pension fund. Oh,
1: that's true. Yes. Hopefully you don't have to read between the lines to get that out of – although maybe you do – Cause it's...
2: Well, I, I, yeah, if it's not clearly understood, and some of those um, product disclosure statements can be yeah. a bit hard to understand. So you do need to take a little time mm. uh, to, to try and understand them. Mm. So I, I thought they were being very sensible, particularly as music is not really a stable career path. Yeah. Um, many musicians and artists are probably not all that financially literate. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, taking the time to fully understand the investment options, you know, there are, yeah. there are ethical options, there are, higher risk options that may sure. produce a higher higher outcome in, in the end. Or not. And seek mm. some sound mm. financial advice. So mm. I, I thought they were being very sensible. Yeah. Um, Ask your band manager or agent about superannuation <laughs> exactly. accounts. Yeah. But, of course, now that they've written this massive hit song, uh, at least Mick, mm. who has the biggest share of the songwriting royalties, I think, mm. probably doesn't really have any financial worries. So yeah. Lou, who has a much smaller proportion of the royalties – Mm. And well, who, from what I could read, believes that he should be owed quite a lot more of that. But um, right. Lou's got to be a lot more careful with his yeah. money, so it probably applies more to Lou than than Mick. But also, <laughs> I thought maybe they're, they're they're concerned about aged care options. Oh right, uh huh. I mean they, they were they were forty when this song came out, I think, uh, or at least Mick pushing recordings, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and for any older listeners or, or listeners that have got aging parents or relatives, dealing with the aged care system can be quite confusing, frustrating and challenging. So mm. you, you really need to take a bit of time to read between the lines and make sure you fully understand your aged care options and your mm. rights and your obligations Yeah, in home or residential care options. So, That's true. Yeah, very sensible. Good, good, good on them, I say. Yeah, if
1: you leave it too late, you might lose your faculties a bit and not be able to properly discern some of the conditions of your old age care. And uh, it might all feel a bit horrible Exactly, uh, if you're not prepared. Nobody wants to confront it, but um, yeah, it's very sensible. Mm. Well said, well said.
2: Good advice, Mick and Lou. Mm.
1: Yeah. And having a look at the second verse, this mountain I must climb.
0: Feels like a world upon my shoulders.
1: Feels like a world upon my shoulders. Mm. I found that quite a selfish point of view, because if you're climbing a mountain, you're the one who is literally being a weight on a shoulder of the world, effectively. So that's
2: hypocritical. It, it really is quite a car crash of metaphors, that one, isn't it?
1: Hmm. And uh, then through the clouds, I see love shine. It keeps me warm
0: as life grows colder.
1: It keeps me warm as life grows colder. Yes, well... If you do climb a mountain, you should be prepared that as you get to higher altitudes, it will get colder. Dress appropriately. That's the message there. The sides of uh, Mount Everest are littered with the bodies of foreigners like uh, Lou and Mick. Yeah. It's pretty nonsensical, that that verse. Yes. Which is probably why uh, Mariah Carey dropped it from her uh, cover version. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have more on that later, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, I kept going around right in circles with that one. We've got a, a metaphorical mountain that he's metaphorically climbing mm. uh, that feels meta metaphorically like he's also carrying the world on his shoulders. Yeah, as sure
1: as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus <laughs> oh, yes. above the Serengeti.
2: Yeah. So, yes, difficulties in his life that he has encountered feel like he's climbing a mountain, mm. and climbing a mountain feels like he's carrying an entire Planet yeah. on his shoulders that he is also simultaneously walking on. Yeah, lots going on. Mm. It's very rich. Y- yeah, <laughs> it's a rich tapestry. It, it it is. Yes.
1: Um, I wondered what was going on in uh, in the closing choruses where um Lou starts. I feel. He feeds lines to the choir. He says, "I want to feel," and then the choir comes in with. I want to feel what love is. And then he says, I want to know. And then the choir comes in with, I want to know what love is. I mean, this is a professional choir. Why does Lou Graham think he has to feed them the next line? It's not in rehearsal. It's during the recorded performance.
2: Well, no. Plus, when they're on the bus, they got given a lyric sheet. We can see that in the video.
1: Exactly. And and they were quite excited to receive the lyrics and were reading them very very diligently, I thought. Hmm. And this is just so patronizing. God, directing them during the performance itself mental yeah mm, mm.
2: i had one more uh, short thing which yeah. is getting back to the the movies and the fictional characters that don't know how to experience love uh uh-huh. because it made me think of the tin man in the wizard of oz
1: all right because you'd never seen um, forrest gump so yeah okay yeah you've got uh-
2: yeah well, I- because I'd never seen Forrest Gump, I thought of the Tin Man. That's right. There's only two possible thoughts.
1: <laughs> well, I certainly Forrest <laughs> Gump might have come um, more quickly because it's, it's so much more recent. Sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. But the Tin Man's experienced heartache and pain, quite literal pain, because all his body parts were chopped off by a cursed axe. Is that right? Y- yes. <laughs> so I, I will admit, I, I looked up Wikipedia to get some of this. So some of it may not have been evident in the film, but might have been in the various books. So the Tin Man
1: was chopped apart. He was, all, he was always a Tin Man, wasn't he? He, he didn't become- well, No, he was-
2: um, Well, in, I think in the original book, he was a woodcutter who was in love with some girl, but somebody else got a wicked witch to curse his axe. And his axe, whenever he tried to use his axe, it cut off a piece of his body. Ooh. And then he got it all replaced with tin. Wow. Like a Cyberman. And now he's more machine than man, twisted and he's evil. And evil, yes. <laughs> um, and he has no heart. And because he has no heart, he believes that he's unable to experience love. He sings a ho- sings a song, If I Only Had a Heart, which is about how he wishes he could experience love. Oh. Of course, as as we've discussed before, Love doesn't come from your heart. It comes from your brain and your gonads. Right, yes, and all those fluids. Uh, yes, Yes, I think he had a brain. I didn't read anything that suggested whether or not he had tin gonads.
1: Yeah, it was the straw man who didn't have a brain. He sang, If I Only Had a Brain.
2: Yes, yes, but n- nobody sang, If I Only Had Gonads, not in, not in the mm. released version of the movie anyway. <laughs> so
1: this could be a song about the tin man and his quest for a heart and to know what love is you need the heart first at least in this version of uh, the facts okay Yes. from what he believed yes and at the end of The Wizard of Oz wasn't there some really pat ending like um, oh you've had a heart all the time really just look at your lovely friends and
2: stuff like that well that's right but as I say he didn't even need the heart he just needed some hormones in his brain
1: oh well That's a sad story for the Tin Man, yes. Yeah. Mm. Well, okay. Well, she'll move on to uh, other theories from the internet. Let's see. There was a a Christopher Malt online uh, who is very annoyed by a lot of uh, people, possibly Christians, who who think this song uh, might be about finding the real love of Jesus Christ.
0: I want you to show me.
1: I, I want you to show me being a sort of plea for Jesus to come into their heart and uh, make them proper Christians. But then uh, Mick Jones himself is uh, quoted as saying, I consider it a gift mm. that was sent through me. Yes. I think there was something bigger than me behind it. I'd say it was probably written entirely by a higher force. So
2: yes. pretty big confirmation. Although from what I understand and from what I read, Lou Graham claims that he wrote quite a bit of the song, so right. he might have been the higher force.
1: <laughs>
2: well, interesting, yes. I think Mick Jones reckons that Lou Graham wrote about 5% of the song. Mm. Lou Graham reckons he wrote about 35% of the song. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it does seem like Mick Jones is uh, going on to sort of confirm that it's godish. And um, there's also, I don't know if you uh, read much about the Tina Arena cover of the song. Ah, uh, yes. But while- um, with, with, with additional lyrics. That's right. By Mick Jones. While Mariah just dropped a verse entirely, yeah. uh, Tina Arena collected a new one from Mick
2: himself. Yeah. I, I didn't consider those lyrics because I, I don't really think they're canon. <laughs>
1: right. Yes. No, it's a, it, it's a spin-off new series.
2: Yeah. That's, that's expanded universe legends, I think, not, yeah. not actual- uh, Canonical uh, foreigner.
1: Uh, and But anyway, those new lyrics uh, certainly put religion solidly there in it with, Lord, help me to be strong on this road I travel on. When I'm lost and lonely, find me, et cetera. Yeah, it seemed like it's from a different song to me. It, it, it didn't seem to have the structure of the rest of the song. Yeah. Quite different, but then I I guess we're prone to think that just because we're so used to the original. yeah. Other users online chimed in. Uh, Christine Listerine, nice name, uh, says, it's easier to think it being about God. If it's about another human, it sounds a bit too cringy. <laughs> I can sort of see her point.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, also, unregistered user writes, this song is the plea of a man who has just passed away and is making their way to heaven for judgment.
2: So is that the mountain that he's climbing to heaven?
1: Yeah. Maybe it's, it's a sort of death scenario where you don't just float up into heaven. You have to bloody climb a mountain. That's it's not something to look forward to.
2: Sheesh. No. That, you've got to work that hard. And if it feels like you're carrying the whole world on your shoulders, it's... It's,
1: it's no wonder so many spirits just stay on earth and become ghosts
2: because they can't be bothered. Yeah. can't be bothered making that climb. Yeah, and why does a dead man need to find something out that he might need when he's older? I mean, like, he's already dead. and That's a good point. I guess if you go to heaven, you...
1: You're around for eternity, supposedly. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you don't
2: really get any older.
1: Well, you're around for ages and you, you don't age. Well, you, you don't age in heaven, no, I suppose. I assume not. You could maybe still grow spiritually when you're in heaven and get older in, in that sense.
2: Oof. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure.
1: yeah. Don't know. Um, Jay Garcia from Dallas uh, writes that he actually found his faith, his own faith, uh, through hearing this song, but while also recovering from the strong side effects of medication that a doctor had prescribed. Uh, He's got quite a long story that he's he's opened up about there, but wow, what a a great ambassador for religion he is. Um, Just be careful with your medication. Side effects may include abdominal cramps and lifelong religious servitude. Hmm. Troubling. Someone on YouTube called Texas Outlaw has cut a music video for this song uh, from clips of Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. So, yeah, this, it's, mm. it's quite a strong sense from a, a sector of people that uh, that do think this is quite religious, this song. And to be fair, the first verse with Better
0: read between the lines.
1: Got to read between the lines. That, that could be talking about the Bible. You certainly can't get much from the actual lines of the Bible which often sound batshit crazy but between the lines if you reinterpret and the Bible has been reinterpreted or rewritten dozens of times already but sure um <laughs> you might find some meaning and uh yeah you might need it when you're older when you're close to death and clutching about for some some something to hope for yeah sure go for it yeah sure makes sense yeah Another a user, Durango, has written, um, this is probably about a guy who travels to Thailand to get a hooker. And he's, he's citing the lines, I've traveled so far to change this lonely life. Of course. Yeah, well, I, I guess that's uh, something some people get up to.
2: Yeah. Can't stop now. <laughs> Unless the police stop him.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. User Berry2004, he thinks, This guy in the song is in the middle of a divorce where he has to think about many things, but at the same time, he knows that true love is smiling at him, waiting for him to reach it, and he is begging and telling that love to understand his situation and telling it to open up more so that he will get the strength to break free. Mm. Yeah. I think it sounds like Barry has maybe been trying that on with his own mistress, like... Just like open up a bit more, so that I've got the strength to finally leave my wife. You know, maybe if you just put out a bit more, I would yeah, I'd maybe take action. Mm. Mm. Classic. That's pretty much uh, all the theories uh, I've come across. Did you? Have you come across any others?
2: No, I didn't find anything else. No. Yeah. Sorry. No. It's it's got God and sex. That's basically it, isn't it? God and sex. Yeah. Has anyone? Oh, wait a minute. Has. Has anyone mentioned drugs?
1: No. No one's mentioned this song's about drugs. It's been ages since that's happened. (laughs) There's always someone who says this is about drugs. God, maybe we should think about it now. Um, I want to know what love is. Love's a drug. Well, there you go already.
2: Yeah. Well, we already know that.
1: He wants someone to show him. He's talking in code, obviously. Show me your drugs. Yeah. I want you to show me your drugs. Yeah. He's he's singing to his uh, dealer and his dealer's maybe um, thinking, I don't want to get this guy hooked. He's kind of annoying. I don't want to have to deal with him.
2: Maybe he's a first-time user and he wants the dealer to show him how to shoot up.
1: Yeah, the actual mechanics of it, Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm I'm ready to do uh, misheard lyrics in this song. Let's do it. As reported at kissthisguy.com and amiright.com. Fitting in with Brendan's theory, we have one person who thought the song was, I want to love a novice, instead of I want to know what love is. I want to love a novice.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay,
1: yeah. Graydon902 uh, thought they were singing, I want a nose like lovey's, <laughs> which, um, which fits nicely, but doesn't explain why Foreigner would write a song about Gilligan's Island and the nose of Mrs. Thurston Howell III, Whoa. who was referred to her husband as a lovey. Lovey, dear, lovey. It seems a stretch. And I don't remember Lovey's nose being particularly attractive. I mean, nothing wrong with it, but- um, Unremarkable. You wouldn't write a song about it. Unremarkable, that's it. Mm. I want a nose like Lovey's. Sure. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, so pretty poor crop, but uh, importantly, we also have to uh, mention Mariah Carey here, who misheard or misread the lyrics for her cover of the song uh, in which she sings, got to read between the lines- in case I need it when I'm colder, which doesn't make much
2: sense. Uh, She's used colder instead of older there. It's the instructions for the remote control on the reverse cycle air conditioning. Right. Reading between those lines. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, Interestingly, she she dropped the second verse, which does include the word colder. So that's weird. I'm, I'm just thinking maybe she... Maybe she just wanted to not draw attention to her age or something by by mentioning older. Uh,
2: yes, perhaps she doesn't feel like she will ever get older.
1: Yeah. Or well, she doesn't want anyone to say, hang on, Mariah, how old are you? I think you were and People start doing the maths and she doesn't want to answer, doesn't want to, yeah, yeah. Doesn't want to hear about it. Shut that down. And they're going, you might need it now. You're older. Yeah. Anyway, it's a terrible yeah. cover, terrible video, video clip for that one
2: too. I uh, didn't even watch the video for that one, sorry. <laughs> it's kind As of... As I say, non, non-canonical.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. It's not even worth discussing. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to. I was going to mention what the video clip looked like, but um, no, not going to do it now.
2: No, no, please, go, go go ahead. It's fine.
1: I don't think it deserves it. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm, wow. mm-hmm. um, so dismissive. Covers of uh, this song also include a uh, hideous uh, Australian cover duet From the 1986 Logie Awards between John Farnham and Laura Brannigan, the late Laura Brannigan. Wow. I didn't even come across that one. It's not really worth looking up. Okay. We've already mentioned uh, Mariah and uh, Tina Arena, of course. Um, There's also a lot of AI covers that are making their way onto YouTube now. And you can hear this song, uh, except sung by Freddie Mercury, if you want to, thanks to artificial intelligence. You can probably hear James Earl Jones sing it as well. Yeah.
2: That would have been my suggestion.
1: Possibly Mr. Bean. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, During the pandemic lockdown, a guy uh, wrote a parody of this song called I Want to Know What Day It Is, which is quite (laughs) cute. Uh, And he's got his family involved in the video clip. Mm. And that's from the Holderness Family Music Channel on YouTube. It's very wholesome. Mm. Very wholesome. Yay, America. Yay. Yay. Anything else on uh, I Want to Know What Love
2: Is, Dave? Uh, no, apart from uh, a song that I've recorded. Ah, yes. Maybe if you introduce uh, sure. uh, why, why you've done this song. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 why indeed. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> as discussed earlier, there are not any songs that really give us a satisfactory answer as to what love actually no. is. true. And that would would answer the, the question posed by Mick and Lou. I figured yeah. uh, since they've really posed this, they've made this demand in song, it needs to be answered hmm. in song. So with that in mind, uh, I went back to our old friend and Oracle, ah, yes, ChatGPT, hmm. asked ChatGPT to write me a song that explains what love is. Very good. And it gave me lyrics and guitar chords. It didn't even pause? It wasn't flummoxed by the query? Came back straight away. Um, it even told me at the end of the lyrics, feel free to strum along with these chords and let the music and lyrics express the beauty of love. Enjoy. Wow. And so I did. Indeed.
1: And I believe you're going to play that for us right now.
2: Not live, but I have pre-recorded it. <laughs> now that's where I'll just, uh, I'll just slot yes. in. The, yes, uh... exactly. Yes. <laughs>
1: No, I've listened to that, uh, Dave, and uh, as I think I told you, uh, it's very powerful and compelling.
2: Well, I felt to to truly do justice to the subject matter and as a kind of homage to the original song, I really needed to go a bit bigger mm. and a bit more epic on the production yeah. uh, than I did with the other ChatGPT songs that I've done.
1: Yeah, it really, really has uh, left those for dead. This is uh, yeah, uh, your, your falsetto work. Is is amazing.
2: Well, yes. Look, yeah. I really felt like I needed a choir to truly do justice to it, mm. and the London Community Gospel Choir were washing their hair that day, so I yeah. had to had to fill in just by overdubbing myself, singing falsetto. But I'm mm. hoping you get the idea.
1: Yeah. Okay, Dave, will you go and get set up then, and <laughs> <laughs> and I'll uh, yes. I'll close out the uh, yes. the show here. Well, it's been more than anyone wanted to know about I Want to Know What Love Is, I dare say. Well done, everyone. Hope you can join us in our next investigation. Send us a message at speakpipe.com lyrics and like, follow, subscribe and review if you can.
0: You will join us
1: or die. Okay. <laughs> Come on, James. Nice. Don't be like that.
0: In the quiet of the night Underneath the starry light I will try to put into words What this feeling truly is is like a melody a song that sets us free it's a dance of hearts in sync in the colors of the sea love's a gentle guiding hand through the storms and shifting sands it's the warmth of your embrace Hearts in sync In the colors of the sea Love can heal Love can mend It's the beginning and the end It's a bond that's strong and true It's the me and it's the you It's the reason we're alive In this precious fleeting time Love is like a melody A song that sets us free It's a dance of hearts in sync song remind us all love's the greatest gift of all in every note in every rhyme love's the reason, love's the guide love is like a melody Song that sets us free. It's a dance of hearts in sing in the colors of the sea. Love is like a melody. A song that sets us free. It's a dance of hearts in sing
2: in the colors. Thanks for listening. There you go. That's nice. Lyrics
0: the North. <laughs>